This episode is also brought to you by Oddmo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Candy, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. <laughs> With an old maid daughter that makes the best moonshine in the coast. <laughs> if you would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. It, it, it... I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to the Now Hear This Can Be podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Frankie, and this is what's happening this week in our community. The so-called red wave that many Republicans and commentators predicted in the midterms last week largely failed to materialize on the national level, with Democrats holding on to the Senate and control of the House still up for grabs. The story was a little different for conservative candidates in Oregon and Clackamas County. Despite her defeat, GOP gubernatorial nominee Christine Drazen mounted the strongest bid by a Republican candidate in over a decade, and Oregon Republicans dismayed their Democratic opponents in Oregon's 5th, where Lori Chavez-Dreamer pulled off a narrow victory over Jamie McLeod Skinner, despite legislative Dems redrawing the district boundaries last year to give their party a slight registration advantage. They nearly pu- pulled off another upset in Oregon's newly created 6th district, though it appeared by Sunday that Democrat Andrea Salinas would hold on for a slim victory over a surprisingly strong challenge from businessman Mike Erickson. Locally, though city council positions are officially nonpartisan, Canby voters opted for a more conservative-leaning slate of candidates. Retiring Fire Chief Jim Davis with 23.6% of the vote, incumbent Sean Barwig 16.7%, and newcomer Herman Maldonado, 14.8%, sweeping out incumbents Greg Parker and Art Marine. And county voters also reinforced the Republican majority on the Clackamas Board of Commissioners, re-electing Paul Savas over progressive challenger Libra Ford and elevating Wilsonville City Councilor Ben West over incumbent Sonia Fisher. Though West's lead was, sl- was slim, 50.4% to 49.4%, returns had trended steadily in his direction ever since the first results were posted on election night when Fisher was slightly ahead. Fisher called West to concede Sunday morning. The victory leaves Martha Schrader, who was re-elected to a third consecutive term in 2020, as the lone Democrat on the Clackamas County Board of Commissioners. 
In legislative races, Republican James Heave easily triumphed in House District 51, which includes Canby, by a more than 30-point margin, despite a widely publicized arrest for alleged drunken and disorderly conduct at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds this summer. Heave, who was appointed to the legislature in February to replace Drazen, was not charged in the incident. And two-term GOP Representative Daniel Bonham secured his victory in the new Senate District 26, which covers Canby and the Dows, defeating Democratic challenger Roz Mason by more than 15 points. Statewide, Republicans flipped enough seats in both the House and Senate to erase the Democrats' supermajority in both chambers, meaning they will no longer have the two-thirds majority necessary to pass new taxes or tax increases without some bipartisan support. But it was not all bad news for Democrats, who eked out the narrowest of victories in neighboring Senate District 20, with Mark Meat beating longtime Canby area representative Bill Kenimer by fewer than 500 votes as of Sunday afternoon. But it cost big money, with the two candidates combining to pour a record-breaking $2 million into the race. And Clackamas County voters revolted against longtime conservative icon Sherry Hall, who had served as clerk for over 20 years and survived a number of gaffes and controversies throughout her career. But overseeing one of the worst election debacles in state history during the May primary, which cost the county an estimated $600,000 to fix, finally soured voters on Hall, and nearly 65% of them opted for her opponent, Catherine McMullen. McMullen said accounting for that $600,000 bill is one of the many things on her to-do list when she takes office. She also said she will resume civil marriage ceremonies at the Clackamas County Clerk's Office, something Hall stopped doing in 2014 after Oregon legalized same-sex marriage. All four statewide measures on the ballot passed Tuesday according to preliminary results, perhaps none of which were watched more closely than 114, which would give Oregon among the most restrictive gun laws in the nation, including limiting magazine capacity and requiring a permit from local law enforcement to purchase a firearm. While passing statewide by a narrow margin, 50.85% to 49.15, Clackamas County voters were almost perfectly split on Measure 114, with 91,833 in favor and 91,000 1,838 opposed. With the measure's apparent passage, opponents were already mobilizing to challenge it in court, and a good chunk of the muscle is expected to come from Clackamas County. One of the state's most prominent gun rights organizations is the Oregon Firearms Federation, led by Canby resident Kevin Starrett, which is joining forces with the Second Amendment Foundation to seek a temporary restraining order to stop the measure from taking effect while their attorneys make the case for its unconstitutionality. The measure's opponents also include Malala Mayor Scott Kaiser and Canby City Council President Tracy Hensley, who founded a public Facebook group Thursday to mobilize the opposition. The group, Stop Measure 114, had grown to nearly 10,000 members as of Sunday. Hensley also serves as an executive assistant for the Oregon Firearms Federation. The Canby Center is one step closer to the most significant and ambitious expansions in the faith-based nonprofit's history, thanks to a $600,000 grant from the M.G. Murdoch Charitable Trust. The project will more than triple the center's current floor space, adding 11,500 square feet and a second story to its existing 5,000 square foot building on Southwest 2nd Avenue near Canby High School. For 14 years, the Canby Center has delivered on its mission to renew dignity and inspire learning for families and youth 
developing a unique model that seeks to engage clients in their own growth, connect them with a loving community, and ultimately empower them to achieve their dreams. Center primarily serves the working poor of Canby, individuals who may be temporarily unemployed or underemployed, and families who live paycheck to paycheck or are not able to make ends meet for various reasons. Executive Director Ray Keane said the center has given away more than 500,000 pounds of food locally this year alone, but it provides much more than that, offering a wide variety of wraparound services, including classes, teaching everything from sewing to managing finances, clothing, medical and dental care and youth and educational mentoring at least one in ten can be residents live at or below the poverty line and the pandemic historic inflation and other challenges have only made things worse demand for food more than quadrupled at the center in the weeks following the onset of covid19 in oregon in march 2020 but even without the pandemic the community's needs have grown and these trends are only expected to increase in the years to come and the Kimby Center already bursting at the seams and its current fo footprint will need more space. It's really a critical step to prepare now for the needs that are coming, Keen said. It's not hard to see that there's a wave of need that's expanding. It's really a tsunami that's coming out of the Portland metro. Thankfully, Kimby hasn't experienced much of that yet. We're still a little bit of an island, and housing hasn't quite filled in between Oregon City and Wilsonville. But as it does, what we will notice is that some of the challenges that come with poverty for people living in a large metropolitan area, those are going to come our way, and they're going to show up fast. The building expansion, which represents the lion's share of the center's $8.75 million Thriving Together Capital campaign, will more than quadruple its food storage capacity while adding new classrooms and other dedicated space for staff, employment and job training services, English language learning, and more. The project will also add office and operational space for strengthening community partnerships with other organizations like St. Patrick Catholic Church, whose long-running St. Vincent DePaul Food Bank plans to relocate relocate services to the Canby Center, as well as Young Life and the Canby Pregnancy Care Center. The project has been carefully planned over the course of several years, as has the Capital Campaign, which has raised about $6.5 million of the total so far, including the Murdoch gift and other grants, as well as a $1.25 million allocation from the state, the first public funding the center has ever received. The Canby Center plans to break ground on its expansion and renovation next March and have the new building open in January 2024. To learn more about the Canby Center or support its work, visit thecanbycenter.org. Canby High School had an impressive showing at the Oregon Association of Student Council's Fall Leadership Conference in Seaside this month, with two CHS juniors being named to statewide leadership positions for next year. Gracelyn Chafee won a three-way race for state president of the OSAC's Executive Council, and Patricia Campbell was, a, was named council representative for the Metro East region, which includes most of Clackamas County and Multnomah County east of the Willamette River. The Oregon Association of Student Councils is governed by a 21-member board, 10 of whom are teachers, advisors, administrators, and or alumni, and 11 of whom are students, one state president, two at-large members, and eight regional and mid-level representatives. Canby High leadership teacher and advisor J.D. Bellum says the elections are a big deal. 
It's a pretty big honor for Canby High School to have two students on a statewide leadership committee like this, Bellum said. It's something we have not had before at this school. A total of 16 students from CEHS attended the conference on November 5th through the 7th, which included opportunities to hear from motivational speakers, interact with other schools and students, and share what's happening at Canby. Student Leadership Group also gave a presentation at CTV and provided other information to the school. A Canby High School senior is leading the rehabilitation of a memorial garden at 91 School this month as part of his Eagle Scout project. Jacob Palacios, a member of Troop 194 and former 91 student, said he was inspired to re rehabilitate the garden, which is dedicated to the memory of fallen student Kayla Campos, after seeing how overgrown it had become in the wake of the pandemic and school closures. I wanted to make sure future 91 students could have the same experience as me, Palacio said. The full scope of my project is cleaning out the raised beds and the walkways between them, removing the blackberry bushes, cleaning up the memorial garden, and replacing the trellis. Palacios led several weekend workdays earlier this month and will continue to work to achieve his goal of returning the garden to a functional learning space for students and the community. He also hopes to locate and uncover the memorial marker and other tributes to Kayla, a 12-year-old Hubbard resident who was struck by a car and killed on Highway 211 near her home on August 4, 2011. The garden is located at the northeast corner of the school campus at 5811 South Whiskey Hill Road in Hubbard. It has been a busy start to his senior year for Palacios, who was also in the spotlight last month during the 2022 National FFA Convention and Expo in Indianapolis. Palacios was selected to play bass clarinet in the National FFA Band the second year in a row that he had secured that honor. Vocalist Julie Yanko's popular Patsy Cline tribute will return to Canby later this month for a show at the Canby Pioneer Chapel Performing Arts. The show features a seasoned band of musicians around the award-winning vocalist tribute to the country and pop icon, weaving storytelling into her performance as she leads the audiences through Cline's classic canon of hits and sharing the unknown stories behind them. Yanko's country roots and jazz vocal training lend themselves well to an authentic echo of the sophisticated contralto renderings and vocal nuances Klein was known for. Most people don't know this, but Patsy Klein had a throat infection and rheumatic fever when she was 13 years old that permanently altered her vocal cords, Yanko said. That's why she had that deep, booming voice but was still able to swing into her upper registry. The Patsy Klein tribute is returning once again to the beautiful Canby Pioneer Chapel on Saturday, November 26. Doors open at 5.30 p.m. and the show begins at 6. Tickets are available online for $20 or at the door the night of the show for $25. A sellout is expected, so get your tickets early if possible. For a link, find the story on our website at canbyfirst.com.
Hey, Frankie, what's uh, up, dude? Ah, intruder, Alexis, call 411. <laughs> uh, who's Alexis? Oh, it's just you, Tyler. Sorry about that. You know, the days are getting shorter and darker, and before you know it, 6 p.m. is gonna feel like midnight, and with the holidays coming, Christmas deliveries on the way and all, I've, I've just, I've been getting more security conscious, and I guess it's just making me a little paranoid. Yeah, so that's what all this is. Looks, looks like quite the setup. Oh yeah, we decided to really invest in a top-of-the-line Wi-Fi connected video security system. Just one little problem. What's that? Well, just look at this. We tested it out during Halloween, and look how grainy and pixelated the video is. Everybody looks like Minecraft characters, and <laughs> only a couple were actually wearing Minecraft costumes. This is supposed to be 4K high-def video. I know, I know, you're gonna say it's my internet service provider like you always do, but I made sure to place my Wi-Fi router in a central location, and I think my download speeds are decent. Oh, Frankie, how many times have we gotta go over this? You always focus on the download speeds, but it's the upload speeds that really matter here. When you've got cameras that are uploading data to your smartphone app through the internet. Oh. I guess I should just hope I get robbed by someone wearing a Minecraft mask. Uh, sure. Or, or you could just switch to DirectLink, where they have internet upload speeds up to 10 times faster than other local providers. Oh. For uploads at the speed of security, visit www.directlink.coop slash internet. Or give them a call, 503-266-8111. Okay, so my guest today is Lydia Hart. She is uh, our one of our resident uh, turkey historians, uh, historian, if you will. Lydia, how are you? I'm great. <laughs> great. Thanks uh, so much for being on the program. So Lydia, when I first uh, moved to town in 2012, I don't remember how I heard about it, but I heard about this, this Facebook page, because we don't live in town, so we hadn't seen the turkeys or anything, but we came across a Facebook page somehow and it was this crazy thing that there's like this fan following of these wild turkeys living candy um, and uh, this was kind of during like I guess you would call it like the heyday or turkey mania back in yes. Canby a lot of listeners probably remember this a few years ago um, there was a story in the Oregonian the Facebook page got really big Canby Town Turkeys which you are an admin of um, there was a sign put up and yeah, it was just this kind of quirky, like totally candy thing that I thought would be really fun to talk about around Thanksgiving. Um, and you were gracious enough to come to the program to tell us about it. So can you, um, start by telling us your first encounter with these, uh, these candy turkeys? Well, I was taking my granddaughter, uh, trick or treating. This was Halloween 2012, right? Yes. And we, uh, to trick-or-treat with the local downtown uh, merchants okay and we went past northwest fifth uh -huh. and we saw a turkey jump out of a tree <laughs> and then joined four more turkeys so yeah. we turned was this, it was dark probably street. dark by this point it was getting dark but you know <laughs> you they saw a huge bird jump out yeah. of a tree <laughs> And you thought it was just a kid dressed like a turkey, but it wasn't. No. 
<laughs> we actually thought they were vultures. We've oh, no never way. seen anything quite like it. Yeah. And so that, we that we followed scarier. them and took pictures of them. Okay. And um, and then a couple of days later, they turned up in my front yard. They heard my husband raking. Okay. And they came to our yard to mm-hmm. join him yeah. and. I to guess help out he, with the yard yeah, work, yes. friendly turkeys. <laughs> he bugs and stuff. It was a flock of like five or six to start with. Five. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Five and three toms and two hens. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's I like think a, it's, it's like a band. I feel like. Yes. Yeah. Someone <laughs> so it's the bass and the backing vocals and. Mm-hmm. So we started the. I started the um, Canby Town Turkey page. Why? Um, because I thought it would be fun. Okay. Just fun. Yeah. Um, to, um, to have that on there. And well, people were starting to, a lot of people were starting to see them, talk about them. Yes. They, they really were, people were really interested in them, you know, yes. um, probably, probably like you, it's just something they hadn't seen before, you know, um, that, that type of bird that, uh, you don't normally really encounter unless you're a hunter or, you know, some type of, uh, outdoor woods person. Mm-hmm. So, and they actually are wild um, turkeys, and um, I I have posted you know little science things on here to you know look at uh, the type of turkey they are, thing. and we do trivia, and yeah. we've done jokes and to, uh, stuff. Figure yeah. out did you were you able to figure out their species? Yes, and I'm looking for that right now. Oh, okay. Um, they. Uh, I think the species see. name is Turkey uh, Canby S, I believe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be careful, that sounds a lot like Can cannabis. Be, yeah. <laughs> Canby Town or tur- Turkeys. Yeah. Um, they, uh, so it, it's, on, it's on the Facebook page. Yeah. Isn't that unusual for a flock to have more than one, uh, one more than one palm? They tend, Is that not how turkeys they tend work? To I don't go, know anything about turkeys other they, than they're delicious. <laughs> they tend to go in flocks yeah. and and they stick together. Uh-huh. And um, this group of five, they were there um, for probably about two years yeah. that we followed them around. And... Mm-hmm. Um, People posted pictures all the, all of the time, you yeah. know, and yeah. and it was fun, you know. The uh, fan base grew, um, and that was fun. Yeah, of you course. Know? And I I really was cool. called the Turkey Lady for a while. <laughs> what did you think of that? It was fun. It yeah. was cute. Yeah. So it got to the point at one point where um, there was a, a push to uh, do like a pardon thing with the mayor yes. right? <laughs> we we did we tried to get the mayor to pardon the turkeys <laughs> yeah like they do at the at the white yeah, house <laughs> we, yes we never had a formal ceremony oh that's too bad it was a good thought that's well poor turkeys um but one of the things that i found um over time because we're now down to two turkeys or now down to one turkey and very surprised that I don't believe it. I think they they're didn't. just shy. I think they're yes, still out there. Yes. They're just sick of all the the Facebook page has gotten too big, you know. Yeah. And they're just like they can't go anywhere without somebody, some paparazzi. Yeah. So I think they're just shy. I don't yeah. believe that they're gone. That's just I hold yes. that in my heart. So <laughs> I think they'll move back. Um, 
and I, yeah, who knows? Maybe yeah. they were just henpecked so much that, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, it's funny, like, there was all this, uh, you know, from the fan following, there's like all this lore that sort of built up, like, people yes. speculating where they came from, that they were escaped from a turkey farm, yes. like, like some chicken run yeah. type situation. <laughs> Um, or that maybe that they were, uh, because they're so uh, unusually sort of, maybe not friendly, but just kind of okay with humans that it seemed like they must have come either from a farm or possibly they were like somebody's, um, you know, pets or whatever, um, and, and that they escaped. Uh, but any other sort of weird stories or weird theories that you heard come out of the fan base over the years? Um, not so much, um... Uh, stories from the fan well <laughs> the fan base has definitely kept the page alive mm. you know and going um, one of the fun stories was uh, around my daughter who was spending um, the night with some friends in the backyard uh-huh and this was when the turkeys were hanging out over um, by Alex and Kelly's house yeah. and up in a tree. And they, she, I didn't even they know were turkeys flew. I guess yes, they did. Okay, I thought they did. And <laughs> I'm trying to think of the 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 poor woman that that the turkeys um, roosted up in her trees. Uh-huh. for a couple of years and they would jump on her roof and the dogs would just go nuts. Oh, they didn't like the they, they didn't like sharing the, with yes, the turkeys. And the uh-huh. noise and everything yeah. and the dogs yeah. And but my daughter was and your daughter was born on Thanksgiving, you told me that, yes, right? So that's yes. kind of a cool tie in. Okay. She was and you know, we we used to call her uh, Jamie Turkey. Yeah. Um or cranberry turkey. Mm-hmm. Um so she was born on Thanksgiving, and so we've always had, you know, kind of a fondness for turkeys. Yeah. Um, we do like to eat them, too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, we, um, we were going to record this over some turkey sandwiches <laughs> over we at the, the Thriftway, but uh, it was too loud, so. Yeah, no, here we are we're in the library, at the library looking at cookbooks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she was sleeping in their backyard. It was like a camp out, and uh, she woke up, and one of the turkeys was staring at her. Yeah. And she, oh my gosh, for sure, her life was over. <laughs> she thought it was a vulture, and she had heard that vultures could. They pick. are like up close. Yeah, They're sort yes. of the freaky looking alien birds. They a are. Little bit. Yeah. And she. <laughs> She had they have heard. no feathers. It's just like pink, <laughs> yeah. naked skin. Yeah. She had so she, heard that they could pick up a goat and throw it <laughs> over a mountain. <laughs> she just thought for sure she was dead. Oh, my gosh. And so she got up, and she was just backing up into, <laughs> into the house. She was up, you know, on the stairs and stuff, and she turned around, and Alex and Kelly, they're all, you know, yeah. in the windows just laughing. Yeah. You know, because they'd seen the whole thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We we post that, repost sweet. that uh, story on Thanksgiving. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Cool. So. so, what do you think, Lydia? You've you've uh, been part of this community since since the very beginning. That that's grown up. Um, can you speak at all to what you think is uh, 
behind is it just it can be so boring that anything will <laughs> amuse us or well I moved here in 1980 uh-huh. and um, and I moved from a small town mm. and uh, you always miss you know where you grew up sure uh, no matter where it is and I I think that's been one of the uh, best parts of having this Facebook page yeah. is for people who had moved away or were serving, you know, in the military. Mm. There were people who would just say, you know, that they just loved seeing the pictures and yeah. especially they would recognize the neighborhoods, yeah. and, you know, and it just felt... Uh, like they were getting a little bit of home. Yeah. And so... That's cool. Still feel that connection. Yes. And even though the page isn't as active as it was when, you know, we had all the turkeys and the babies. And, you know, a lot of people remember when we had all the babies. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was pretty exciting. You would have thought that they were real baby. Yeah, they were like celebrities uh, for a while. Then. They were. Mm-hmm. So it has been fun. Um, it's positive. It's upbeat. Um, Super quirky. Quirky yes, turkeys. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And just fun. Cool. Um, well, I didn't tell you that we we're going to do this, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to test some of your turkey knowledge here. So okay. you ready? You ready to answer okay. some questions? See okay. how uh, knowledgeable our turkey uh, chronicler really is. Okay. Okay. So some of these are easy. Female turkey is called. In. Uh huh. A male turkey. Tom. A baby turkey. Oh goodness! I not a chick. We just said chick, but it's that. not. <laughs> Wait a second. I will it's tell a, you. It's really weird. Well, you can't look it. Are you looking it up? <laughs> of course I am. You can't look it up. <laughs> I'm taking your computer away. They're called Benjamin Franklin's? No, no. wrong answer. No, not even um, close. <laughs> he was the first one to, to... He wanted to make the wild turkey, yeah. not the bald eagle. Yes, the, um, the national the bird. The national but bird. You can't... I'm doing the trivia here. You can't throw trivia in here. Oh, goodness. So I can't... I, so I'm cheating. it is a poult. A poult. Mm-hmm, like poultry. That's what this says. I know that a flock is called a rafter. Did um, you know that? I did not. That's not what this says. <laughs> it just, just says it's called a flock. Um, They're so also we'll, called a rafter. We'll skip that one. <laughs> so this is a black lock of hair that's found on the chest of male turkeys. Uh, apparently turkeys have chest hair. A beard? They call it a beard. <laughs> good, good job. Uh, how about take a crack at this? The top three states for turkey production. Oh, production like that's like grown. They, they produce the most turkeys. Um, I'm going to say California, um, Oregon, and uh, Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina, Minnesota, and Indiana. Oh, so I wouldn't have guessed those either. What's my prize? Well, I don't know. You're, I don't, I'm not sure you're going to win anything. <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to win. So, uh, Okay, so this is a bright red uh, sort of dangly appendage on the neck. You know, you know this that is like the classic turkey thing. What's it called? It is um, a go- not a gobbler. No. <laughs> <laughs> what is that called? Oh, man. I'm rusty. See, I was going to brush up on yeah. all of this. Well, see, you should have. <laughs> 
It's called a waddle. A waddle. Mm-hmm. There it is, right there. Yeah, right there. Flat right on your cheating mm-hmm. webpage that you have up. Uh, how, how much time does it take a turkey egg to hatch? I'll let you be within uh, three days. I'm going to say two weeks. Uh, 28 days, so four weeks. Four weeks, yeah. wow. Okay, that last one. Isn't even close. I'll let you be within. Uh, I'll let you be within ten dollars. Wait a minute. Did I agree to take this? No, test? I didn't know you it was going to happen. <laughs> I'm just doing it. I'll let you be within ten dollars. The total average cost for a classic Thanksgiving dinner uh, for ten people. Three hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! Not even close. <laughs> That's how much we spend. Well, Go ahead. This is what it says. I I find it hard to believe too. But it says including a 16-pound turkey. They say $49 and 12 cents. What? Yeah, I don't know where they're shopping. I, what are they cooking? I don't know. I guess just the, the turkey <laughs> Did, and then a bunch of... Is that where all the turkeys went? I think it's just a turkey and a bunch of craft dinner with some rice. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, well, Lydia, thank you so much. This was fun. Any final thoughts? Happy Thanksgiving. Um, happy Thanksgiving. And thank you to the fan base. Mm. You've made this a fun page for me yeah thank you thanks Lydia thanks for following the page and happy Thanksgiving everybody Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in uh, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. All right, friends, we're going to wrap this episode up with another rendition of Can Be Then. This time, it's brought to you by Retro Revival. They are not your average antique shop. Open daily. You can find them on the corner of Northwest 3rd and Grant Street in downtown Canby, or connect with them through email at retrorevivaloc at gmail.com. Over the years, the Christmas holiday season has held a special place in the hearts of many a Canby resident. Celebrations of the annual winter holiday date back to Canby's earliest days. In 1873, just three years after the town was given the name Canby, the Oregonian recorded a rendition of the Willamette's Ball, an annual soiree that was held here. Many responded to invitations extended, and the comfortable room was, as usual, crowded the newspaper reported of the event. It is needless to say that affairs were conducted in excellent style and the music was very fine. All spent a pleasant evening that may be safely said. Of course, Christmas holds special significance to the Christian faith community, which has long represented a sizable portion of Canby's citizenry. In the early days, many German-speaking Christians called Canby home and Canby Evangelical Church of North America had many such worshipers. For years, the group met and worshipped in the homes of fellow members, but in 1894, they built their first church, which still stands today at 339 South Township Road. 
The church was dedicated on Christmas Eve of that year under the direction of its first pastor, Reverend Hermann Schucknecht. German was the spoken language of the church until 1912. In 1907, tragedy struck a prominent local family during the holiday season as well-known Canby citizen James Fegley went missing under mysterious circumstances. On December 17th, Fegley, an agent of the Russellville Nursery Company, drove from Canby to Butteville, St. Paul, and finally Woodburn on business, staying overnight in Shampooey. The following day, he was expected to return home to Canby, but he did not. In fact, he was never heard from again. His disappearance 10 days ago has aroused much speculation as to his probable fate, the Oregonian reported on December 28, 1907, and it is feared that he has met with foul play. Mr. Fegley drove a black horse with a white stripe on the forehead and had a top buggy, newspapers noted. The only theory that seems plausible is that one, that Mr. Fegley was held up a few miles from Champui before it was quite light, murdered, and his body placed in bushes along the road and his conveyance driven away. Fegley's son Grant was a prominent businessman and later a politician in Portland who managed Columbia Woolen Mills. After receiving the distressing news of his father's disappearance on Christmas Day, he spent three days scouring the boggy underbrush on both sides of the 12-mile road between Canby and Shampooey, to no avail. Mr. Fegley was 62 years of age and resided with his daughter, Mrs. John Rydman, at Canby, the Oregonian said. He was in usual cheerful spirits, and the idea that he is a suicide is not entertained by his family. The authorities throughout the valley have been requested to look out for the supposed murderers with the stolen horse and buggy. Throughout the 20th century, the Christmas tree industry began to take root in Oregon, and Canby farms were part of the early boom. In 1918, the city's farms harvested an estimated 40,000 furs and distributed them all around the world. In 1924, a snowstorm dumped several inches of white powder on Canby just in time for Christmas, and though the youngsters enjoyed the chance to build snowmen and indulge in other frivolities, the storm caused the city no small amount of trouble. With three or four inches of snow and slush covering the ground here and no lights or water, Canby was in a plight as a result of the storm which started at 7.30 this morning, the Oregonian said. Snow fell most of the day. Electric lights and telephone wires were damaged. The water supply ran out early tonight. Several accidents were reported on the highway during the day. Three years later, an airmail plane piloted by N.B. Evans was wrecked near the Clackamas County Fairgrounds in Canby shortly before Christmas. Uh, don't worry, there's no evidence to suggest the plane struck an airborne sleigh pulled by eight tiny reindeer. Instead, the pilot reported that his engine had gone dead as soon as he passed over Canby at an altitude of about 1,200 feet. Evans initially attempted to land on the fairgrounds' fine racetrack, but he couldn't make an approach due to the electrical wires. After landing in a nearby field, the pilot, who was uninjured, began promptly disassembling the aircraft so it could be transported back to Portland for service. Only the landing gear and the left wing were damaged in the unplanned landing. Scandal rattled through Canby in 1929 as a series of disgraceful episodes were reported on the city's streets on December 25th. It is alleged that one young man of Canby was found in a drunken sleep early Christmas morning and was taken home by a friend in a car. Canby Herald reported the following day. Other young men, or boys, are said to have been drunk on the street Tuesday evening, but no arrests were made. 
Gambling was also allegedly witnessed on the Christian holiday, a vice that had been the scourge of many upstanding citizens that winter, according to the Herald. Much indignation has been aroused as a result of the alleged outrages uncovered Christmas Eve, the newspaper reported. And Knight Officer Bowsby, who is looked to for the preservation of peace and dignity, was the subject of more or less censure. According to the paper, several prominent citizens had gathered at the post office on the day after Christmas to demand something to be done. Unless adequate means of protection against such infringement upon the peace and dignity of the community is given, it was pointed out, there will be justification in enlisting the aid of the state authorities to clean up the town, the Herald said. From what can be learned by current reports, there seems to be no doubt that some of these requests are justified. The week of Christmas in 1988, six migrant families from Mexico facing eviction from a Canby church found themselves in new warm surroundings and on the receiving end of food, toys, and clothing donated by community residents. The families, consisting of 43 people, had moved into the Iglesia del Dios Vivo on Juniper Street earlier that month after their work teams had completed and they had nowhere else to go. But the presence of that many people in the aging building represented a safety concern, and the city had informed them they would have to find new lodgings. Enter the Canby Grove Christian Conference Center, which put up all 43 souls in comfortable cabins on their property. Other generous Cambyites flooded the center with donations after hearing about the migrants' plight. When the bus showed up to transport the workers and their meager belongings to their new temporary living quarters, the families began singing religious songs, the Oregonian reported. Many parents held hands with their sleepy children and carried babies in their arms. Finally, one last tale from Camby's Christmas history. In 2001, library patron Felicia Sheeran checked out a video that contained an animated version of the poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, along with several other holiday cartoons from the 1950s. She also checked out a book containing the same classic Yuletide poem. Both media contained depictions of Santa smoking a pipe and drinking a cup of holiday cheer. Sheeran returned the book and movie with notes saying the materials were inappropriate for her six-year-old daughter and three-year-old son and demanding that they be removed from the library. So, on December 17th, just in time for Christmas, the library board issued its ruling. The materials would not be removed from the children's section. Policy held that censorship is a purely individual matter and that the library does not act in the place of parents with regards to materials that children select. Library director Beth Saul sent a letter to Sheeran notifying her of the board's decision and thanking her for her interest and involvement. And that, friends, will do it for this episode of Now Hear This Canby. I'm James Walton. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, or no. that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't like animal related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest running locally owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off 
That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm... I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe and we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though.